0: in there and find a place and uh, we'll just continue with our time of honoring the Lord. Good morning, Miss Doris. I'll take a hug. Now, I'll tell you what, that's what it's about. Oh, how's everyone doing? Did you survive Easter? Did you survive the snowstorm last night? I looked out the window and I was thinking, Lord, it's sort of hard to be simply thankful anymore. i like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But, uh, hey, it was beautiful against the daffodil backdrops and things like that, you know. But Easter Sunday, what a Sunday. What a Sunday. What a great job Matt and the worship team did to just really exalt Christ and bring a group of family together just to praise the Lord for the hope that we have, the hope that He's given us. And today, as we continue with our Simply Thankful theme, I continue to remind you that uh, the whole theme is so that we see life from a different perspective as God's children. We see it in a realistic way, but we see it through the lens the way that God would want us to see the life that we live. That life, we know, is difficult. Life is hard. Things don't work out the way that we want them to. We experience things that are hurtful, painful, all of those things. But, as God's people, we see the big picture and we are able, because of the Spirit of God that lives in us as believers to be thankful for the smallest of things. Just simply thankful. Yesterday uh, was at Caleb. He's the five-year-old grandson at his soccer game. You know, those soccer games, how they can go on and on and on. And if they win, they play again. And if they win, they play again. And like I've told you before, my prayers, like, oh Lord, please let them lose, please let them lose. It's cold out here, that kind of thing. And uh but I was uh watching him play and I mean his heart was in it. He was running every different direction, smiling from ear to ear. He's out there to socialize too. But the ball was going this direction and that direction. And he was always going the opposite direction of the ball. But he was having a good time. And I thought, you know, Lord, I'm just simply thankful for that sweet little smile. And sitting there in that lawn chair is like, Lord, I'm so thankful that today the wind is only like four or five miles per hour. It's just not cold. We just need to be people that really uh, don't have to look too hard to see the good things in life. Last week, in part eight of this series, we said we're simply thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that the Lord exerted His power and that His Son, who lived and died, raised on the third day we talked about the idea that in this life, in the the Christian life, in the religious world that we live in, it is easy to get distracted with things that are less important. That Paul would herald the most important thing is the death death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he would say it is what we believe, it is what uh, we received. it is what saves us, it is what we hold on until the very end. That which is of first importance. There's a lot of things in the Bible that can be vague. In other words, there's, there's things that are just really clear, and there are other things that we get bits of information on that we might not fully understand, so we've got to be careful not to preach it and develop some kind of theology that's not in the scriptures, but when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's clear. He lived. He died knelt to a cross, hung there six hours, committed his spirit to the Lord, and then bowed his head and went to sleep. And it is evidenced in a concrete term, at least scripturally, to say, Peter saw him after he died. He was alive. James, his brother, saw him after he died. The apostles saw him. More than 500 brothers and sisters saw him resurrected and alive after he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And finally, Paul says, I saw him too. And they lived their lives all of their lives because of that powerful moment of seeing Jesus alive after he was dead, that they were all eventually martyred, except for John the Apostle, who died last, probably on the Isle of Patmos. They gave their lives over 30 plus years Believing in the resurrection because they were eyewitnesses. The scriptures tell us, blessed are those who have not been eyewitnesses and yet believe. This morning, in part 9, I want us to be simply thankful for the promise of resurrection for ourselves. Jesus resurrected, that's a wonderful thing to be thankful for. But if it doesn't affect my life, well, it's good for Jesus. But what about me? What about my children? What about my parents? What about my grandparents? What about the people that I love? What about all of those funerals that we go to? Unless the resurrection means something to the people of God that's true and real, Then what? We live in a world where the resurrection, life, death, to life again is not believed by many. Some religious movements even teach against it. It was happening in the time of Jesus. There are those that do not believe in resurrection. I want to ask you this morning, really... Is it something that you've thought about from death to life? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Do you really believe that? Is that somewhere that uh, has touched you deeply and you have taken your stand on that message of first importance? That everything else, while important, is dim in comparison. Paul opens up this way, the verse after the ending verse of last week. and says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So we see very clearly, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, that he is dealing with a situation where there are people, a group of people that are denying that the resurrection took place. And he has just said that understanding the reality of the resurrection is where we stand, and if you don't continue to believe that, you have believed in vain. So they're denying the resurrection i don't know how often you think about the resurrection but it's the heart of the good news without the resurrection there's no good news it it is everything to us as believers It's miraculous, it's supernatural, it's by the power of God, but it's a reality. And some evidently had embraced it, it appears, and then were moving away from it or mixed up about it. And Paul boldly comes back to say he did raise from the dead and now you're beginning to say that that did not happen. If you knew the resurrection was false and it did not happen, wouldn't you be thinking to yourself, what am I doing here at church this morning? I would. What's all this for? I mean, I love to sing, but what's all this for? So I want to stress to you that this message of first importance should really be a message of first importance for you and that you're so sensitive and so in love with this truth that whenever you hear or exposed to a teaching or someone who turns away from this that your heart is pricked and the yellow flag goes up and you are very cautious about a false teaching that is being perpetuated. Jesus Christ literally physically rose from the dead not figuratively figuratively not metaphorically literally raised from that's our message if there is no resurrection of the dead paul says then not even christ has been raised and if that's true What's the point? And so really, the resurrection is not optional. Believing in the resurrection is not optional for us. Yes, we believe it by faith. We've not seen it with our physical eyes, but we believe it by faith. We believe it because the Spirit of God that's in us confirms in us that it's true. Doesn't the Spirit of God confirm this reality for you as His believer? I think the Spirit of God has to do it. Because other than the Spirit of God confirming it in you, it's just like... We're just sort of going out on a limb. I hope it's true. It's it's not that kind of hope that we have as believers. The Spirit of God that moves, that guides, that counsels us, confirms things in us. I know. I know the resurrection is true. And I know that it means so much to the believer. And he says here in verse 14, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. He does not mix words. If Christ did not rise from the dead, there's no hope. So to deny His resurrection is to deny Your future resurrection. It is to deny that you have any hope in this life. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Now faith is an assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Standing here preaching, you teaching, reading your Bible... It means absolutely nothing if the resurrection did not take place. But Paul continues to build and and have this argument with those showing them this is what it looks like if the resurrection is not true. More than that, we are found to be false witness about God for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. So if there's no resurrection, everything we thought we knew about God is a lie. And we're found to be false witnesses. It's not that God's not real. It's just what has been perpetuated through history is a lie. And that's why Paul is so strong about the gospel and taking one stand on it and not deserting it and not turning to a different gospel that we looked at in Galatians chapter 1 last week. Notice how it just keeps going back and forth. The dead are raised, you're saying they're not raised. What will happen if they are? And if they're not, it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And we're getting to a, a main point For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. You're still in your sins. You see, what's being attached to still in your sins is... The gospel wasn't true. The good news of death, burial, and resurrection that He died for the sins of the world and those who put their hope and faith in Him, their sins are forgiven and cleansed by the power of His blood shed on the cross. Nope, that's not true. Your faith and trust in God is empty and useless and you're still in your sins. How many of you have lost someone that you're looking forward to see in the resurrection? Come on, let's raise hands. I mean, really looking forward to seeing them in the resurrection. We all have those people. And hopefully... Those people loved the Lord, stood on the gospel. Because without standing on the gospel, we won't see those people because they won't be there. I know that's a hard teaching too. But that's the world we live in. We just sometimes, well, God is good... And full of grace. And it's all going to work out in the end. And it doesn't matter really. And I'm not worried about it. Oh, it does matter. That's why it's of first importance. But we think about those people. I've got them. I want to see my grandpa West. I want to see my grandma Gill. I believe I will. Because they believed in the Lord. They lived their lives for Him. But there's people in my family I wish I would see, but I don't think that I'll see them because they didn't live their life for the Lord. Now, if someone says, well, you don't know their hearts. No, you don't know a person's heart. I get that. You never know what some might do in that last hour. I get that. But you know the person you're thinking about, and you know they didn't love the Lord. I want to see my brother electrocuted at the age of 17. I want to see him. And I believe I will. I want to see my dad. I don't want to see just photographs of him. I want to see him. I want to hear his voice. I want to hug him. I want to see my mom. I want to see my Grandma West. Who is it that comes to your mind that you want to see? That is the power of Jesus' resurrection. It is the promise of the resurrection of the people that we love and for ourselves. But don't live this life thinking... That it doesn't matter what you do in relationship to God. Because it does matter. God has said, I've given my son. Take your stand on this. Stand believing in Jesus. Acknowledge him. Claim him for your own. And live your life for him. Now look, when it comes to the living of our lives, we all do good at points and then we do bad at points. And it's a mixed bag, but we just don't give up the fight. We continue, you know, to believe knowing that we're saved by the goodness and grace of God and not by our works and not because we earned it. But we stay steadfast and we continue to move forward and we don't get sidetracked from the good news of the gospel. It is what motivates us. It is what fills us with our hope. then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If faith is futile, if the resurrection of Christ didn't happen, I'm not going to see my dad. I'm not going to see my brother. I'm not going to see the people that I love every funeral that I ever did for any believer in this life, it was vanity if the resurrection did not happen. They've fallen asleep. In Christ, they're lost. It just shows how how sad it would be if that was true. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be the most pitied. Because this life is short. We've put our hope. We've sacrificed for something that's not even true. If there's no resurrection, the so-called gospel is really not good news at all. So after Paul talking about the resurrection of Christ and this view of it did not happen and this is what it would look like if it didn't happen comes to verse 20 that Todd referred to earlier. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is that early initial portion given in the resurrection that we can look, that we will participate in as well. He died first. He accomplished the forgiveness of sin. And with his resurrection, we have the same hope and promise of resurrecting just like he did. Do you live with that resurrection hope? Does the resurrection promise truly move you to be thankful? You know, I I said and I I thought about, you know, how often do people think about the resurrection? We don't really try to think about our death's much because you know, that's sort of morbid, you know, I don't want to think about it when it happens, it happens, but when you when you think about this This day and what it looks like as we celebrate Easter Sunday and it just seems like the hearts are lighter, more hands are up in the air, the singing's greater and smiles are on people's face and it's like, oh, won't that be a wonderful day when all of this is over and we are faced Face with the Lord. I look at the end of life, and my mother-in-law at this time, who's down in Alabama, 85 years old. Dementia continues to get more and more severe. And I just you talk to her, and she's just trying to hold on with what little rationale that she can have. Is this D? Is this you? Am I is you're my daughter, right? And Who's Ashley? And, you know, Ashley's your granddaughter and just trying to hold on. Or you talk with older people that they're struggling just physically and and they're emotional about it because they're just they're tired. And you see the tears in their eyes. Visited Rose Wilson last week. If you know Rose Wilson, uh, 90, I think three years old. Faithful Christian lady. She said, I was hoping the Lord would take me before 2019. I'm just not doing good and I'm ready to be with the Lord. The food is good here. The people are friendly. But it's lonely Day after day, seven days a week, 24 hours, you see your kids once in a blue moon because one lives way up north and the other way down south and they've got busy life too. And It's just you sitting here, going and eat, turning on the TV and then setting back down. The bulletin that we send her, you would think that it was gold It sits by her chair. She values reading that, but she's like, I'm ready to go, Lord. Now, a young person, we're young enough, we just don't think that way. But if we live long enough, guys, we're going to be there. And it's sort of a, a depressing thought. But it is a thought that whenever Rose closes her eyes in death, when my mother-in-law closes her eyes and don't wake up, when they fall asleep in the Lord, when the people that you love, that love God, fall asleep in the Lord We can truly rejoice in a way that others can't because we have a true hope. We have a resurrection promise. Jesus was alive and we will be alive because He's alive. And won't that be a wonderful day? but we've got to persevere and we've got to be faithful and we've got to continue to keep our focus on the Lord and we've got to continue to stand on that message of first importance and not get sidetracked from a lot of different things that may distract us from this is what really counts and I don't want to lose and move away from this belief. Because ultimately... After a little while, in the grand scheme of years on earth, we'll be with the Lord and he'll return. And I'm going to see my dad and I'm going to see my brother and I'm going to see my grandparents. And Jim, I'm going to see Wendy and I'm going to see Bill Brimmer. And I hope to see a lot of you if you go before me. If I go before you, I'll be there. If my wife goes before me, she'll be there. If I go before her, you can bet I'll be waiting. If there's pearly gates, I'll be waiting. And that allows me to get through this life no matter what we have to face. Four things I want to show you from the resurrection. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection. The resurrection is the living hope. It is the born-again experience, and it's through Jesus Christ raised him from the dead. Don't ever let go of that. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and following. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. That's what we're trying to do here today, to inform you if you've not seen this or if you just simply need reminded about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, we've all been to lots of funerals. Every time I read this, funeral after funeral comes up in my mind over the last 30 years where there was a wailing and grief at loss simply because those people did not know the Lord. There is a difference between a Christian's funeral and the funeral held by unbelievers. When my mother-in-law dies, I'll probably have to stand out in the garden and preach her memorials with five or six people. Because her son is not going to allow a Christian funeral for her, even though it's what she requested of me years and years ago. It's what she wants. But he is everything except a follower of Christ. And I will do that in honor of everything that she's asked me to do because she'll be with the Lord in His presence. That's just a body. But it's sad that there are people that we're going to cremate the body, and that's fine. And we're going to go do worldly stuff and be silly about it. But no talk about God for a woman that's leaned and trusted in God all her life. But I guess that's another good thing. That no matter what someone does or says about you after you're dead and gone, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. We don't grieve like the rest of people. But we see people that do grieve and fall apart and turn away from God, and it's a sad thing. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus. And I've italicized that for a purpose. And this is definitely not a first importance thing. But I've had several people say, well, if we die and we are with the Lord, how do we understand that when Christ comes back, the dead are raised and meet Him in the air and so on and so forth? If if they're already with Him, everybody... Get that? Hear that? Like, what's what's going on there? How does that work? This is just my belief and what I see in Scripture. When a person dies, they go to be, in some sense that we may never understand fully here, to be with the Lord. And their spirit. My mom is spirit. That's my belief. And she's in the presence of the Lord in some way that I probably never fully comprehend. Same for my dad, same for my brother. But when the Lord comes back and the archangel blows the trumpet and the Lord leads the way, it says, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, bring with him, they're there in his presence, right? Those who have fallen asleep or died in the Lord. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus, God will bring with Jesus, The dead in Christ will rise first. My view is that our spirits are with the Lord, but we do not have the resurrection body. When God says to His Son, Return, go, then heaven is emptied out, the angel sounds the great horn, and those that are dead, fallen asleep in the Lord, they are with Jesus and they're coming back with the Lord and the angels And they receive their spiritual heavenly bodies. And then after that takes place, those that are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So what is of first importance in this text? Whether you're dead or alive, the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts you if you're His. And then secondary things like how will it work, it can be a little difficult to understand because we're given glimpses of thoughts. But I just thought, well, I'm going to share that view with you. But the emphasis really is The dead in Christ, those who have fallen asleep, are going to be with the Lord forever and ever. And he says, Encourage one another with these words. So if you've lost someone, they're not dead, they're just not here with us. And when you die, you're not going to be dead, you're just not going to be here with us. You'll be with the Lord in the Lord's presence, and you have the full assurance of the spiritual heavenly body, to live. So therefore, we don't grieve like the rest of people. Next, listen to what John says about this. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear His voice and come out, those who have done good, to resurrection of life, and those who have done evil, to the resurrection of judgment. So, everybody is going to be resurrected when the Lord returns. Some to this resurrection of everlasting life with the Lord, and to others resurrected to eternal judgment. Eternal judgment. Lord, give us a spirit. To encourage and proclaim to people in our families, our workplaces, our friends, wherever the Lord would set up the divine appointment, the things of Christ, who He is, what He has done, and to encourage people through the gospel to embrace them. The resurrection of judgment. I don't want to be a part of that resurrection. I want to be the resurrection of eternal life. Sometimes you have people ask you questions about baptism. How, the form, the mode, what does the word mean? Is it important? Is it something that we should do, don't do? I, I, I look at the text and I see how Peter talked about baptism. The Apostle Paul talked about baptism. The word itself literally means to be buried under the water, to be completely covered over. And so I always say to people, and I would say to you, I know there's different forms from sprinkling to pouring to full immersion. And I don't want to judge people because you have to decide in your heart, and what I am going to do or what I did was it in good faith... And do I think it aligns with the scriptures? What I know from my own life and what I preach and have always preached is immersion because that is the word. And I know that it is the right word and the right truth and it's what God has given us. It is what Peter used. It's what he said. And it's also what Paul is reminding the Corinth church here uh, in this passage of scripture as well as The church in Rome. We were buried. There it is. How were you buried? He's talking about their baptism. You were immersed in Christ. Therefore, with him by what? Baptism. Into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united in a resurrection like this. So when you look at your baptism, you see it, I hope, as an act of faithful obedience to God. That's why we do anything, because His Word shows us what to do. And so we faithfully trust Him and we obey Him, and the link to the resurrection and baptism is... That if you've united yourself like this with Christ, then you'll be united not only in his death, but you'll be united in his resurrection. And I think in a nutshell, the powerful teaching really is there are things that God gives us to do so that we can know, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to resurrect from the dead. I want that hope. And show me, Lord, what what do I do? What can I do? Not that that's what is saving me, but what can I do to know? I've put my faith. I've put my hope. Mentally, I'm taking my stand. Death, burial, and resurrection. I will be baptized because that is what is preached throughout the New Testament, both by Peter and by Paul. And so that you can at least look at your life and say, This was the point where God touched my heart so deeply that I just wanted to do everything that He asked me to do. So baptism is so important. It connects us in the resurrection of Christ. It connects us to the death of Jesus Christ. May God move your heart in all the areas of faith and hope and trust and obedience so that you can simply be thankful for the promised resurrection that He gives to His children. May God bless you and may you seek Him all the days of your life as long as you have presence of mind and may you truly pour yourself out on His altar of sacrifice and surrender. And may His grace overflow in your heart to such a degree that you praise Him all the days of your life. And that your life, because of the commitment to Him, points others to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the resurrection promise that we have to live with that we do have hope, that our faith is very meaningful, and that we are blessed. And Lord, I just pray that we can all, if we need to, recenter more on the great accomplishment of the cross and the empty tomb, that we live with that each day of our lives. And do not let anything, Lord, please sidetrack us, help us to be ever-focused, ever-persevering, long-suffering. Help us to be people that proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the promise of resurrection for those who love him. We love you, Father. We thank you for Jesus and all that you accomplished through him. And we are simply thankful for your love. Let us all stand and sing. We have teams available if you are needing desiring to be baptized to give your life to the lord whatever it is you need this morning we are here for you so let us sing let us praise the lord